was much beyond her daily reach, and many a long November and October evening must be struggled through at Hartfield, before Christmas brought the next visit from Isabella and her husband, and their little children to fill the house and give her pleasant society again. Highbury, the large and populous village, almost amounting to a town to which Hartfield, in spite of its separate lawn, the shrubberies, and name, did really belong, afforded her no equals. The woodhouses were first in consequence there, all looked up to them. She had many acquaintance in the place, for her father was universally civil, but not one among them who could be accepted in lieu of Miss Taylor for even half a day. It was a melancholy change, and Emma could not but sigh over it, and wish for impossible things till her father awoke and made it necessary to be cheerful. His spirits required support. He was a nervous man, easily depressed, fond of everybody that he was used to, and hating to part with them, hating change of every kind. Matrimony as the origin of change was always disagreeable, and he was by no means yet reconciled to his own daughter's marrying, nor could ever speak of her but with compassion, though it had been entirely a match of affection, when he was now obliged to part with Miss Taylor too, and from his habits of gentle selfishness, and of being never able to suppose that other people could feel differently from himself, he was very much disposed to think Miss Taylor had done as sad a thing for herself as for them. And not a bandage one. for their wounds. It is a I sin to write sacrifice this. on their It is altars. a sin to think words no others think, man. and to put them down upon this a miracle paper no others are mine to, to own and keep, it is base and mine and to guard. And mine it is as if use, we are speaking alone, and to no ears but before. our own. I do not well surrender my there treasures, is no transgression nor do I blacker than to do The fortune of my spirit alone. is not to be blown into coins of brass and flung the to the winds say that as men may not write unless the, the council of vocations guard bid themselves. my treasures. My thought, may we be forgiven. My will, my freedom. But this is not the and only the greatest sin upon of these us. Is freedom. We have committed a greater crime, I nothing and for this brothers, crime there is nor no do I gather debts from them. What punishment awaits us if it be discovered? Me, we know not. Nor do I live for any For no for such any crime others. has come in the memory I of men, no and man's there are no soul, laws to provide. Nor is for my soul theirs to covet. It is dark here. I am the neither the candle nor friend to my brothers, but such as each of them shall deserve of me. Save our hand and to earn my paper. love, my brothers must we do are more here, than to have been earth. born. It I is not grant my love without reason, alone. nor to any chance passerby who may wish that to none claim among it. men may be alone. I honor men ever and love. at any time, but honor for this is, is the great transgression earned. and the root of all evil. I shall evil. choose friends among men, but we have broken But neither laws. slaves nor masters, and, now there is and nothing I shall choose only such as please me. And, and it them is strange to see only respect. two legs stretched on the but ground, and on the wall obey. before us the shadow of our and we one shall head. join our hands when we wish. The walls are cracked, and water runs upon so them desire. in thin threads without sound. For in the temple Black of his spirit, as each blood. man is alone. We stole the candle Let from the larder of the home of the untouched and undefiled. We shall be sentenced to ten years and then join hands with others if he wishes, but only beyond his holy threshold. It matters only for the that the light is precious, must never and be we should spoken, not waste it save by one's when choice, we need it for that as a work second which is thought. our crime. How she had devoted all her powers to amuse and attach her in health, 
and how nursed her through the various illnesses of childhood. A large debt of gratitude was owing here, but the intercourse of the last seven years, the equal footing and perfect unreserve which had soon followed Isabella's marriage, on their being left to each other, was yet a dearer, tenderer recollection. She had been a friend and companion such as few possessed, intelligent, well-informed, useful, gentle, knowing all the ways of the family, interested in all its concerns, and, peculiarly, interested in herself, in every pleasure, every scheme of hers, one to whom she could speak every thought as it arose, and who had such an affection for her as could never find fault. How was she to bear the change? It was true that her friend was only half a mile from them, but Emma was aware that great must be the difference between a Mrs. Weston only half a mile from them and a Miss Taylor in the house, and with all her advantages, natural and domestic, she was now in great danger of suffering from intellectual solitude. She dearly loved her father, but he was no companion for her. He could not meet her conversation, rational or playful. The evil of the actual disparity in their ages, and Mr. Woodhouse had not married early, was much increased by his constitution and habits, for having been a valetudinarian all his life, without activity of mind or body, he was a much older man in many ways than in years, and though everywhere beloved for the friendliness of his heart and his amiable temper, his talents could not have recommended him at any time. Her sister, though comparatively but little removed by matrimony, being settled in London, only sixteen miles off, 